0: Let's lift our hands and our hearts and our voices, Father. We are so thankful today for Jesus. We're so thankful, Lord, as, as we celebrate our nation's freedom. Lord, we do not forget the freedom that we have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, Lord, we were prisoners and and captives of. Of, of Satan and of sin and the power of darkness and Jesus you set us free. So Lord today we're celebrating just all kinds of freedom. Lord we'll never use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but Lord we'll use our freedom to serve one another to glorify you and to honor you and father we pray that today the power of God will be manifested as we hear the holy written word of of God, Lord, we believe it's infused with divine power and that, Lord, we thank you that today our minds are going to be renewed. Lord, confused thinking is going to be cleared up. Lord, wisdom is going to come into our lives, clarity of direction. And Lord, not only that, but just all kinds of freedom, physical freedom, healing, uh, blessing, joy, peace. Lord, this today is just a a celebration of of your your holiness and your goodness and your very presence in our midst. And Lord, we're expecting good things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Well, it is a a pleasure, and I absolutely do feel like family here. Uh, There's just... There's nowhere I can think of that I would rather be than Heart of the Bay. You guys have just always been so loving. And, and of course, you know, a, a large part of that is our connection with Pastor Mark and Brenda. Uh, Pastor Mark is a dear friend. And uh, I may or may not say something in a little bit of humor in a little bit. Uh, but but I want you to know, seriously, this is serious now, how much I love, appreciate, and respect Pastors Mark and Brenda, you guys absolutely have just some of the finest people at the helm of this church. Uh, they are gifted, they are graced, and, uh, and and it wasn't just, you know, they didn't just randomly with their backgrounds in Minneapolis and Pawnee, Oklahoma, just decide, well, we're just going to go to, you know, Hayward, California. I believe they're called by God to be here. I believe they are God-sent, God-ordained, and they are God-equipped. Uh, God gave them gifts and abilities that uh, that you benefit from, that you partake of. And I just believe you're really, really blessed to have uh, great pastors and great leaders like uh, Pastors Mark and Brenda. So that may be the end of the series, uh, but we'll see how that, that goes from there. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today about... Uh, wardrobe, and I, I want to talk to you today about your spiritual wardrobe. Have you ever heard of a clothesline preacher? Do you know what a clo- that has a really bad connotation of old time preachers that would you know just you know rip on people about their clothes and what they wear. And, and they usually would especially go after the women and, you know, um, hyper strict and things like that. And, you know, I'm all in favor. The Bible talks about modesty and some things like that. But, but you know, the, the old time clothesline preachers would just get, you know, hyper detailed, just beat people up for what they wore or for what they didn't wear externally. And so I want to be real clear today when I say we're going to talk about wardrobe, we're going to talk about your spiritual wardrobe. Your spiritual wardrobe. Did you know that spiritual things are just as real? And I I think we could even say they're more real than natural things. You know, you can look around and And, uh, oh, you know, this brother's wearing this, and this sister's wearing that, and this person... You can look at things externally. But did you know that we all have a spiritual wardrobe? And a whole bunch of uh, what the Bible says about our redemption ties into our spiritual wardrobe. And we make choices. You know, in the natural, we make choices about what we wear. And I'll be honest with you. One of my wife's worst—I well, don't want to say nightmares, because that's—but one of my wife's, I'll just say, greatest concerns, is that I go shopping for clothes without her. <laughs> any, any of the ladies here share that? Uh, because I have been known to make some selections that. We'll just say, it's a good thing I kept the receipt. Okay? And uh, my wife has a lot to do with some of those. And some guys really, they have a great eye for that. Some, some people just have a really good eye for what goes together. And like, you know, Pastor Mark, you know, he just, he is a snazzy. How many of you know you have a snazzy dresser for a pastor? I mean, do you know how many times he won't tell you this, but he's been featured on the cover of Preacher's Quarterly. <laughs> He's been called uh, the Pierce Brosnan of of preachers. And he is such a... a, 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 See, there's the funny stuff I was talking about. Anyway, um, but seriously, my wife many times has had to, you know... and, And several times, you know, we'll be going somewhere and we'll kind of meet there in the front door and she'll look at me and she'll say, You're not wearing that. Any of you husbands ever had that experience? And she's she's always very good to wait for me while I go change into something that she deems to be more more appropriate. But in in all seriousness, getting back to the spiritual component of things, uh, a large part of what Jesus came for was to give us a new spiritual wardrobe. A spiritual wardrobe. Now, you have to understand a wardrobe... uh, You know, I could come in here dressed as a fireman, but I'm not a fireman. I don't have the training. I don't have the expertise or skill. I could come in here wearing scrubs, like a nurse or a doctor, but I don't. That's not who I am. You know, wardrobes can be counterfeit, but we're talking about when we talk about spiritual wardrobes, we're talking about a wardrobe that reflects who we really are. Who we are on the inside, who God has made us to be as the children of God, should be reflected in our spiritual wardrobe on the outside. Let me give you an example. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3. It says that the purpose, the reason that Jesus came was to console. Everybody say console. Now we would probably say today comfort. How many of you know there's a lot of people in the world that need comfort? How many of you people know? Yesterday when I was at the Tulsa airport, somebody, a guy in a red vest, I know he's a volunteer of some kind, he brought this big, I think it was like a big St. Bernard Uh, dog through and the kids were running up to pet it. And this lady, you know, she just, oh my goodness, she was just petting that dog and all that. And you could tell this is a comfort dog. You know, people who might be nervous about flying or, you know, just stressed from flying and all the stuff that goes with it. You know, people were just getting comfort from this dog. Can I tell you, the Holy Ghost is better than a St. Bernard. OK, Jesus said that uh, the, the Bible, Isaiah said that Jesus, the Messiah, had come to comfort those who mourn. And here's where we get into kind of the wardrobe to give them beauty for ashes. He said, well, what ashes? That's not exactly clothing. But no, in, in ancient days when people were just in grief and deep Uh, Agony, uh, emotional agony, they would take ashes and they would rub them, smear them, dump them on their head, smear them on their face and their body. And the Bible says that He came to give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So here we have an allusion to something in the wardrobe instead of being under a spirit of heaviness. Do you know people can do that? They can just be under kind of a blanket of oppression. But but Jesus did... There's this thing called the great exchange where Jesus took upon Himself all of our grief and pains and sin and sorrow so that He could give us all of His joy, peace, righteousness, holiness he came to give us the uh, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness you go a couple of verses later in isaiah chapter 61 and isaiah says i will greatly rejoice in the lord my soul shall be joyful in my god notice what it says For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. You're wearing the garments of salvation today. I'm not talking about the literal shirt or or blouse or whatever it is, the sweater, whatever you're... But I'm talking about your spiritual wardrobe. Isaiah said, He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. If you came in here this morning wearing shame and guilt and oppression, that spirit of heaviness, God has a wardrobe change for you. He wants to give you the garment of praise. He wants to give you uh, the garments of salvation, a robe of righteousness. I want us to go back to the very earliest book, actually the very earliest chapters of the book of Genesis, and I want to see how um, this idea of a spiritual wardrobe uh, kind of came into being. Did you know that the book of Genesis is called the seed bed of the Bible? Genesis is called the seed bed of the Bible because in all of the stories of Genesis, there are principles that are that are presented that are then worked out later in scripture in in, in Bible interpretation terms it 's called the Law of First mention, and what that means is when something is first mentioned in Genesis. It, it is going to be um, a seed that that is is blossomed and developed later in Scripture. And so in Genesis chapter 3, you know, uh, how many of you know God gave some instructions? Yes, he did. How many of you know God has a will? Yes, he does. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray that way. How many of you know that very often the will of God is not done on earth as it is in heaven? Because people choose to disobey. People choose to follow the flesh instead of the Spirit. They choose to operate in hate instead of love. They choose to operate in selfishness instead of of, uh, care for others. Um, you, You know, Jesus came into this earth To destroy the works of the devil. But how many of you know that that the devil is still having influence in people's lives who are listening to him? We don't have to be subject to him anymore. We can be, as, as we've talked about earlier, we can be free in Jesus... When you put your faith in Jesus, we are delivered from the power of darkness and we are translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We have, we become born again. We have a new nature. Uh, we have a new master. Uh, we have new governing authority in our life. But how many of you know the world is not subject to that? The world is under the prince of the power of darkness and so on. So that's why you see all the, the horrific things that happen in the earth uh, because man historically has, has chosen to do his own thing and to disobey and so on. Now let me just say this. How many of you know that we're not here condemning anyone? Because Jesus said, "...let him who's without sin throw the first stone." So we're not saying we're better than other people, uh, we're saying this, we have all sinned, we have all come short of the glory of God. We don't need to be condemning or judgmental toward anyone, but we can be thankful that God rescued us and set us free from that. And we should not have a judgmental, condemning attitude toward people who are headed to hell just like we used to be headed to hell. We should be thankful and grateful, but, but but we should have mercy toward everybody else the same way that God had mercy toward us. So I pray that in what I'm about to say, there's nothing that comes across as we're superior, we're better than. No, we're all people who are headed to hell and it's only because of the grace of God and what Jesus Christ did for us and the fact that the Holy Spirit got a hold of our life and we just said, yes and we responded to him but we go back what was the original sin all about in genesis chapter 3 verse 6 I, you can go back and study all of the context all of the surrounding verses but satan was tempting eve the serpent was tempting eve to disobey god and so when the woman saw genesis 3:6 when the woman saw that the tree was good for food That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. This is what John calls in 1 John, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan doesn't have any new tricks. Satan uses the same techniques, the same mode of operation, the uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And that, that what happened was Eve's perception changed. Instead of seeing God's Word as valuable and precious, she began to see, oh, you know, maybe God didn't really tell me the full de- deal. Maybe this is going to be really good if I do this. And, and so what happened... Uh, so she took, uh, uh, she also, uh, let's see, she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So both of them ate. Oh, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So they, they sinned and, and, and all of a sudden something has changed because before this they were complete innocence, But now they've sinned. And it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were what? Naked. Can I tell you something? Naked wasn't the problem. Because they were naked before. What's happened now, it's not that they, you know, they were clothed and now they're, they were naked before they were naked after, but now they've got self-consciousness. They they were God-conscious. They were basking in the glory of God's wonderful creation. They were God-conscious, but now they are self-conscious. They are sin-conscious. The problem really isn't naked. The problem is shame. The problem is guilt. The the problem is condemnation. And we go down uh, just a little bit later... It says, they, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Now, so what do they do? So they fell on their face before God in humility and repentance. No, that's not what it says, does it? What did they do? They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Can I tell you, if you've ever wondered, what is the first religion to ever exist on the face of the earth? Fig leafism. <laughs> this is the first religion on the face of the earth. You say, well, I've never read about that in any of the comparative religion. Well, they haven't heard this sermon. That's why they haven't included But this is the first religion... Created on the earth. Can I tell you something? God never created any religion. Man creates religion. God's into relationship. Man create. You know what every religion is? It's, it, it begins with man's sin consciousness. And it leads the man to think, okay, what can I do to help cover My guilt, you know, what rituals, what behaviors, what activities can I engage in that will make me feel like that guilt is somehow covered up. That's the basis for every man-made religion on the face of the earth. It's man recognizing his guilt, sin, and shame before God and thinking, if I can just do certain behaviors, then... I will, I will have sufficiently covered up my guilt. How many of you know that never works? It's never fulfilling. It's never satisfying. Uh, they, they sewed fig leaves together and put it on, you know, made kind of a garment type thing and put it on, and it obviously didn't work. Why? Because they were trying to solve a spiritual problem through natural means. You can't solve a spiritual problem with natural solutions. And um, I want you to notice why. uh, and, And think about the verse in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now that's not talking about you as a born-again believer. This is talking about the unregenerate person who's trying to be righteous based on his own efforts. And this is why we need a wardrobe change from God. The things that you and I do in the natural to try to bring fulfillment to ourselves. The things that you and I do in the natural to try to cover. Do you know how many people turn to alcohol and drugs and all kinds of, you know, sexual illicit behavior to try to fill that deep empty void in their life or to try to numb the guilt and the shame that they're, fixed. all these external things that people do to try to solve an internal spiritual problem will never work. So what happened? So, so when Adam and Eve had sewed the fig leaves together, they solved the problem, right? They were able to go up to God and welcome Him because they had, they had fixed the problem, right? Because they were wearing their fig leaves. No, what really happened? And they heard, Genesis 3 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why are they hiding themselves? They've got this nice fig leaf outfit on. Surely they, see, they knew it didn't work religion doesn't work. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, look at this. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid uh, because I was naked and I hid myself. Can you see self-consciousness in that? I, now see, what about Eve? He's totally forgotten about Eve now. It's just, I heard your voice. I was, I hid myself because I was, they say that the first disease that mankind got after the fall was eye disease. Not I, but I this extreme self-consciousness. And the only time he brings up Eve later is when he needs somebody to blame for the whole thing. But we don't have time to go through all this, but look at verse 21 of Genesis 3. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Wait a minute, God, they don't need any clothing. They've already got the fig leaf stuff. Apparently, God didn't like that. Apparently, God was a little bit like my wife. You're not wearing that. Are you with me? God didn't like the fig leaves. You know why? Because it represented man's own personal efforts to solve his own problem. God said, you're not wearing that. The fig leaf, you did that with your own effort. How many of you know God's sending a message here? Remember I said Genesis is the seedbed of the Bible? God is sending a message here that is going to be replicated throughout Scripture time and time again. God is saying, you can't solve this without me. And so let's get rid of your, your fleshly attempt to cover up your own problem and let me give you a wardrobe change. Now for God to give them tunics of skin, it's talking about animal skin. So guess what we have? We have the first animal sacrifice. You have the shedding of blood and the taking of an innocent life to give man a proper covering. Is that prophetic? Now, I know some people don't like that, you know, God took an innocent life, but ultimately, the ultimate innocent life that would be taken would be that of His own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we could have a robe of righteousness. I want you to turn in your Bible probably to a book you don't read too often, and that's Zechariah. Uh, It's the last book of the Old Testament right before Malachi. And we have another illustration of a spiritual wardrobe change. Man's fig leaves were not adequate, so God gave him coat of skin, uh, which involved the shedding of blood and the taking of an innocent life. And it was a gift from God. Isn't that beautiful? It was a gift from God. In Zechariah chapter 3, uh, I don't want to give too much context here, but um, Israel had just come back, Judah had just come back from the Babylonian captivity. And the priesthood, uh, because they'd been in Babylon for 70 years and a little bit into Persia, uh, they, the whole sacrificial system of the priests in Jerusalem had been disrupted. And there was a new priest who was going to be in charge of starting up the sacrificial system of the temple again in Jerusalem, whose name was Joshua. This is a different Joshua than the one, you know, from Moses. And Zechariah had a vision. And look at this vision, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, I like this, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. How many of you know the high priest wasn't supposed to be wearing filthy garments. But this is representing the 70 years that they had been in captivity and all of the sin and rebellion of the people that basically put them into captivity, the idolatry. And so when Zechariah is having this vision of Joshua the high priest... And Satan is standing there to accuse him. How many of you know Satan is the accuser of the brethren? And Satan will remind you, see, God wants you to be, uh, he wants you to be robed in righteousness because he's made you righteous on the inside. But Satan wants to keep reminding you of all the mistakes you've made, all the wrong decisions you've made, all the sins you've committed. You know, Satan wants to keep us in this posture of of being connected to the filthiness of our past. And Satan is there to accuse, to oppose, but the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you. And it says... Then He answered and spoke to those who stood before Him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from Him. And to Him He said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. See, God is in the exchange business. God wants to, he he sees you with your ashes and he says, here, let me, I'll take your ashes and I'll give you beauty. He sees you mourning over the past. And he says, let me give you, I'll take your mourning and I'll give you the oil of joy. I see, uh, the, 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 the garment of heaviness. Uh, that, that you're wearing and, and I'm going to give you a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness that's all over you he says to Adam and Eve man you've tried to cover your own guilt your own shame your own condemnation by you know doing this and covering but it didn't work because you were still afraid of my voice let me give you something that, that involves the life of another having been taken innocent blood being shed and this will be a covering for you but we know that that didn't ultimately solve Adam and Eve's problems, but it pointed to the ultimate sacrifice that would be made thousands of years later when the Lord Jesus Christ would go to the cross, shed His blood, die for our sins, and then give us a robe of righteousness. The, the, the garment that, that God gave Adam and Eve was simply a prophetic uh object lesson for the reality of the spiritual wardrobe that we wear yet today and it's illustrated again here in Zechariah where Zechariah was in these filthy garments and Satan was accusing him and and God said I rebuke you and get him some new garments and get him the rich robes and so on do you know what that reminds me of it reminds me of uh when when the prodigal came home and and you know i haven't been around i grew up in north central indiana and and we had a lot of hog farms and uh, a lot of corn we drove past hog farms every day on our way to school school bus and lots of cornfields and things like that and i don't know a lot about it cuz i didn't grow up on a farm but I do know this. Uh, we were glad to get by the hog farm
1: because
0: yeah. yeah. it stunk. Yeah. And um, this this prodigal, his father was a wealthy landowner, and you know the story how he said, "I want my inheritance now," and he he he, he took it. And you know, it's kind of like saying, "I wish you were dead." I, you know, I w- I just want your money. I don't care about you. I mean, really horrible attitude and. And he goes off, and the Bible says he goes to a far land and spends his money on wild partying and everything, and, and, and finally runs out, and he ends up, the only thing he can do, a famine came, and, and the only thing he could do to survive was to become a servant and take care of hogs, feed the pigs. And uh, he said, man, he got to a point where the, the pig food started looking really good. <laughs> and he said, you know, I, 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 I'll, I need to go back home. I'll tell my father, Father, I've sinned against you. If you'll just take me back as one of your hired servants. Because he knew his father treated his servants better than he was being treated on this pig farm. And so he goes back home. But I'm telling you what, this kid stunk. This kid had been down in the dirt, down in the mud with the pigs. He stunk and he went home. But his father saw him. And, and the Bible says his father saw him coming from a far distance and the father ran to meet him. And the son kind of starts to go through his spiel and all that. And, and you know what the father said? Luke fifteen twenty two. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. This is a wardrobe change, man God, it, I, I want to tell you something. Your past does not dictate your future with God. People need to understand the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And this guy didn't even think. He, he had no dream of being restored to the full privileges of sonship. He just thought, man, if I could just be treated like one of my fathers. And you know what his father does? His father says, bring out the best robe. And the, Now, the older brother got really upset. Because he thought, you're being too good. Can I tell you something? God's real good. God God gives mercy where no mercy is deserved. God gives grace where no grace is deserved. God restores where no restoration has been earned. God is a God of mercy and 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 when the the most wayward sinner comes running back to God, God says, "Give him the best robe, give him the ring, give him the sandals. You, you say, why does God you know why, why is God always doing this stuff? Because think about how God dresses. Do you know how God dresses? In Psalm 91... I'm sorry, 93 verse 1, it says, "...the Lord reigneth, He is clothed with majesty, the Lord is clothed with strength." Psalm 104 verses 1 and 2 says, "...you are clothed with honor and majesty." He, you who cover yourself with light as a garment, God is clothed with majesty, strength, honor, and light. And He wants us to dress like Him. Yes. Yes. Spiritually speaking, we, ha- we are to have a spiritual wardrobe. Yes. Now, how many of you remember those? I'm going to have a little fun with Pastor Mark here again. How many of you remember those pictures from way back where Pastor Mark's hair is real black, and he's got that real black mustache and, and things like that. You know, some of those pictures, of course, with all of us, you know, we think, man, I can't believe I look like that, but we did. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine a picture? Uh, I remember the first time I preached here. It wasn't here. It was at the old school uh-huh. um, in the gymnasium, I think. Oh, wow. And then there was the one... Uh, before you moved here, so I've been in three, at least three different locations, and and uh, I just remember seriously, Pastor Mark and Brent have always been nice dressers. They've always been very sharp and things like that. But can you imagine? I want you to, I want you to think about something, and why this would not happen. Can you imagine? Let's go back to the '80s, and here's Pastor Mark in a three-piece suit, and man, he's got that evangelist swoop in the hair. <laughs> Okay, I tease him about his evangelist hairstyle from back then. And uh, can you imagine him dressed to a tee? Three-piece suit. I mean, leather, beautiful, polished shoes and all that. And then beside him is Miss Brenda in kind of a burlap sack. And here's little James and John. And they're just dirty and ragged. And, but here's Pastor Mark. He's just... You never see any pictures like that, do you? Because Pastor Mark, he wants his wife and he wants his kids. He, he, he wants to look good, but he wants them to look good too. Do you know, God doesn't want to be clothed in majesty and strength and honor and light and have us down here under a yeah, spirit of heaviness and filthy garments. Not talking about our exterior. Talking about our spiritual wardrobe. What else does the Bible say about how uh, we are to look? Isaiah 52.1 says, Wake up, wake up, O Zion. Clothe yourself... With strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem. There's a verse in Luke 24, and I'm I'm reading from a different translation, I don't think they have this one, where Jesus said to the disciples, He said, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father, but you are to stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high clothed with power from on high. Romans thirteen twelve says, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What are you wearing today? Oh, I'm just wearing the armor of light. I have armor. You know, the armor of God and it just it just iridescent, It, it irradiates light. Do you know Satan sees your spiritual wardrobe? Angels see your spiritual wardrobe. And and you can get up in the morning and Satan will say, Here, why don't you wear this today? Okay. You can you can wear that spirit of heaviness. You can wear that garment of self pity. Satan loves to make wardrobe changes or or suggestion wardrobe suggestions. He'll offer you stuff to wear, yeah. Oh, yeah. but Paul said, Romans thirteen twelve, let us cast off yeah. the works of darkness and let us put on. See, we have to put it on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. You know, when when you're a baby, you know, mom dresses you or or dad dresses you in the morning. But when you get a little bit older, you're supposed to put on your own clothes. Put on. You cast off the works of darkness. You put on the armor of light. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on. It's a command. You have to do it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Colossians verses 3.10 and 12 say, Put on. The new man. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Verse 14, but above all these things, put on love. First Peter chapter 5 verse 5 says, be clothed with humility. I just think we need to be conscious. I think we need to be mindful of our spiritual wardrobe. Because, number one, God's put stuff on the inside of us. But are we taking the right steps to make sure that we're demonstrating it, manifesting it? You can tell somebody walks in the room. Are they wearing the garment of praise? Are they under the spirit of heaviness? I don't mean to condemn anybody. If somebody's heavy, you know, God will help us and that type of thing. We're No, no shame, no condemnation. But... but I, you can tell somebody walks in and they're wearing the armor of light. Somebody walks in who's just arrogant or somebody who walks in, they're clothed with humility. We're supposed to outwardly demonstrate what God has done on the inside of us. I'm going to tell you one story in closing. This is about Joseph. Genesis chapter 37 verse 3. Genesis 37, verse three, it says, now Israel, that was another name for Jacob. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. How many of you know, that's a little bit of a problem right there. (laughs) Favoritism. I was the youngest of four boys. How many of you were the baby of the family? How many of you, your older siblings kind of didn't like it because you maybe got better treatment? Listen, I can't help it that I was the smartest and the best looking. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, but I had brothers that were 10. My brothers were 10, 8, and 6 years older than me. I I may have been in the plan of God, but I'm not sure I was in the plan of my parents. I don't know. But I know I was in the plan of God. And my brothers were good to me, but they did remark, you know, that... And I think a lot of it is just, you know, when parents are younger, they're uptight. You know, maybe they're not as financially. When you get a little bit older, they might be better off, so a little more generous toward the youngest, or maybe the... You know, I remember my brother saying, Man, I didn't get away with that when I was in high school. You know, they, the parents were a little bit looser and things like that. So I don't know that it's always intentional. But boy, this was pretty deliberate. Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. You've heard of Joseph's coat of many colors. So here's all these older brothers, and they've got oh, brown and beige and gray and all that. And here's Joseph in his, you know, multicolored thing. And it's just it's just obvious that he's the favorite.
1: <laughs> you think?
0: Well, let me just remind you, this is Old Testament before Jesus. So these guys were not born again. And the Bible is really clear. I don't know how much I put down. Uh, Yeah, but uh, verse 4, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They hated Joseph. And um, these brothers, boy, you know know one thing why I know the Bible is inspired is because the Bible doesn't try to candy coat, make anybody look good. I mean, the Bible just lays everybody's sin out. If you think, I mean, the only person perfect person in the Bible is Jesus. Everybody else was potentially a real scoundrel. Okay, um, these brothers decided we're going to kill him. And one of the brothers, I think, ah, you know, we might feel guilty if we do it. Let's just sell him as a slave into another country. Human trafficking's been around a long time. It's a horrible, horrible thing. You know, victims today, victims all through history. I mean, you know, you get people and the love of God is not in their heart. They'll do horrible things to other people. They sold Joseph, their brother. They sold him into a group of travelers and, and he ended up being sold into Egyptian slavery. And they took his coat... And they dipped it in blood and kind of tore at it, and then they took it to his father and say, "Is this Joseph's coat?" And 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 the, oh, he must have been killed by a beast and all that. They let their father grieve for years, thinking that Joseph had been killed. These guys were not good guys. But but see, we're talking about wardrobes. When Joseph wanted to show, you're my favorite, he gave him a special coat. I don't know if he realized he was marking him for, you know, real bad treatment by his brothers. Might have been better to keep that a little bit lower key. But so this coat represented what? It represented favor. Now, how many of you know you are God's favorite? But see, I don't have to be jealous of you because I'm God's favorite too. Jane is God's favorite. Tom is God's favorite. We're all God's favorite. So we don't have to hate each other and undermine each other, do anything. But but we are favorites of God. He set His love upon us. But anyway, let's get back to our story with Joseph. So Joseph ends up in slavery. If anybody, if anybody ever had a right to just feel, man, life has done me wrong. I don't trust anybody. I hate everybody. Everybody's done me Boy, it was Joseph. And it, it wasn't over yet. It wasn't over yet. Joseph becomes a slave. And you know what? When the favor of God is upon your life, people can't take it away from you. They may steal your coat, but but favor's really something on the inside. And so they made Joseph a slave in Egypt, and you know what? He began to get promotions because of how faithful he was and how diligent he was and how reliable he was. And um, it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 11, How many, Joseph worked for a guy named Potiphar. I think he's a high military, maybe uh, military government guy. And his wife, uh, called Potiphar's wife, uh, thought Joseph was really good looking and she was not a good person either. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, meaning physical relations, but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. This is twice now that Joseph has lost his garment. <laughs> now this was not the code of many colors. This would have just been whatever the slaves wore in the house. But he lost his garment again. And now she's offended. She's mad. And so when her husband comes home, she says, That, that slave, he tried to make advances on me. And I protested and I, you know, kept his garment. And so then Joseph gets thrown in prison. Went from bad to worse. He, he's gone from being the favorite son to being in a pit, which is where his brothers put him. And then he goes to a slave position, and now he's gone to prison. I mean, it's just like, God, I sure am glad to be serving you. <laughs> Things are sure working out for me great. Thanks a lot, God. God. I tried to do the right thing, God, it would have just been better if i'd just gone ahead and cooperated with her, and i 'd still have you know be in a i wouldn't be in prison. you know you have to guard your heart when circumstances get messed up. It may look like being faithful to God is costing you, but if you 'll hold on to god he 'll turn it around so so long story short, Joseph ends up in prison and, and he has this opportunity. God begins to give him this ability to interpret dreams and Pharaoh, Pharaoh, The leader of the greatest empire of the world at its time is told about Joseph's ability to interpret dreams, and he calls Joseph from the prison, and Joseph interprets the dream for him. And what do we see? Look at Genesis 41. uh, I said 42, but guys, I think it may be verse 12. It says, then Joseph, let's see if we... I think I gave them a wrong scripture. Let's see if we can get that. Is it Genesis 41, 12? Try 42. Try Genesis 41, 42 if we could. Thank you very much. I gave these guys wrong information. Then Joseph, I'm sorry, then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. That signet ring is what the king used to authorize official documents. And he gives it to just like he's giving him power of attorney. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen. And put a gold chain around his neck. See, God will bring you back. You know, you may... And, and see, some people, they have favor at a time in their life and they, they get demoted and, and that type of thing. But if, if, if they won't let their heart get full of bitterness and resentment and all that, you know, man, I'm wearing this stupid slave outfit. And then you get your slave outfit stolen and you end up in prison. But the next thing you know, Pharaoh giving him his signet ring, clothed him in garments of fine linen. Listen, Pharaoh didn't have anything but the best of the best of the best. And put a gold chain around his neck. I know this is natural, but can you see yourself today clothed in fine linen that God has given you, pure, sinless, no trace of guilt, anything how about a gold chain i mean spiritually i want all of you walking out of here thinking that you're you're spiritually you're mr t today okay you got so much gold around your neck you got the garment of praise no fig leaves no fig leaves no i've got i've got the garment god put on me Why do I have that? Because Jesus went to the cross. He took our sins so we could have His righteousness. He became a curse so that we might be blessed. He became poor so that we through His poverty might be made rich. And He was made sick so that by His stripes we could be healed. We're talking today about the great exchange beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What's your spiritual wardrobe looking like today? Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this time together with Heart of the Bay. We thank you for Pastors Mark and Brenda and Lord, the gift that they are and the grace that you've given them to lead and to feed and to guide this flock. And Father, it's just a privilege today to be a guest here and to speak and to share the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that that anybody that came in here today, maybe they were just dealing with that fig leaf stuff, they've been trying to solve all their own problems, and man, Lord, today, we just need to let you robe us. We need to let you drop that garment upon us. And Lord, we need to be clothed in light, the armor of light. Father, I just pray that we will emanate on the outside everything that You've made us on the inside. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for blessing. We pray for encouragement. We pray for wisdom. Lord, thank You for restoring Your people and flooding Your people with life and peace in every way, shape, and form.